Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me special guest, Sam Imami. Now, here's the crazy thing. I don't normally do this. Sam actually reached out to me and said, hey, dude, I'd be great on your show. And I'm like, wait a minute. Because, you know, normally... I, I've had a show for a while. Normally, I don't do that. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. I'm like, well, who did you listen to? And he pops off one of the guests I had talked to, Amanda Bell. Then I'm like, well, let's get to know each other first. And he just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And as I followed him now, I've gotten to know him a little bit better. But Sam, for people that don't know you or your greatness or your sales expertise, all the crazy cool stuff you do, give us a little bit of your background and what you do, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, Joe, thank you so much for, you know, so grateful to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invitation. Greatly appreciated. So for everyone that doesn't know me, uh, my name's Sam. I'm originally from Southern California, born and raised there, went to uh, San Diego State, have a background in marketing. And I've worked my uh, my entire life, you know, pretty much just selling, but I started uh, my corporate journey selling software in Man Manhattan, New York, was doing the classic, you know, SDR path, you know, doing uh, B2B uh, software sales, starting off there as any you know, 21 year old uh, kid would after college, and then uh, the pandemic happened, which was really uh, kind of a great uh, kind of flipping point for me in terms of my sales career because it kind of introduced the idea of remote sales, and from that point, I kind of had been traveling the world, uh, working you know, and selling software, doing sales. And it kind of led me into uh, creating my own business, which I run a digital sales agency, uh, where I pretty much, uh, one arm of it is education, where I help people pretty much get into the world of remote sales, but also to, we have a consultative arm where we deal uh, with engagements with clients and kind of work more on a sales consulting basis. So it's been pretty cool being able to uh, dive into that world as, um, you know, the environment has has shifted and, and um, yeah, it's a little bit kind of a top story on who I am. Yeah, no, man, I love that. I love that. That whole, um, yeah, COVID was crazy. It kind of happened, and then a lot of people got to do remote working. And it sounds like it got you to be able to use the keyword of pivoting or like, you know, finding what you really wanted to do. Because, you know, we all start out, we think, okay, let's do the corporate job. Let's do that. And you go and you do it for years and you make money and you're like, well, what's next? And you just find a little bit younger or younger than I am. Because I think you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm 46. I'm going to guess you're... How, well, how old are you? I'm not going to guess because you're a guy. <laughs> yeah, I can actually ask that question. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm actually 25. You're 25. So yeah, you're yeah. starting out really at an age where you can make a big impact, which is great. So what made you get into wanting to consult sales? Because at your age, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why, what are you going to teach me? You know, and I exactly. don't take that wrong because I, it doesn't really matter as long as you know your stuff, it's good. But, but what made you make the shift from selling to wanting to consult? Is it, what was that? Yeah, so I actually never really found myself being a consultant type. I actually kind of decided to stay away from that side. I always wondered what even a consultant did. I had some friends that did it in the corporate setting, and I was always confused what it was, and I basically found myself doing it, but in, in, in a much different sense. I feel like the way that I found it was... Um, well, I was working in the corporate setting, like I mentioned, and at the beginning of 2021, going into or 2022, as we're changing the year, I actually uh, got let go of my sales job. And that was a very kind of jumping off point for me because I was so comfortable with the corporate environment. And I knew I had all these skill sets, skill sets built up with sales. You know, I had been doing corporate selling for almost three years in software. And then in my college time doing internships, I had a bunch of different exposure to real estate and digital marketing and sales in that capacity. And then my whole life, obviously, being an entrepreneur at heart, you know, selling uh, t-shirts out of my garage and selling things around the house. Always knew that the sales expertise was there, but in terms of how to make that a business, you know, that was kind of the, the kind of the question where I was kind of stuck with when I was not in the corporate setting. So I actually, you know, took some time off from, from, from sales and I was actually traveling the world a little bit and kind of trying to find myself. And in through that process, I kind of found the world of remote closing. And for people that kind of don't know what the world of remote closing is, it's actually um, just pretty much a, a medium in which businesses and or creators and influencers that are selling products and services, you know, you might see people selling something on Instagram or maybe an intangible like a course or a selling mm -hmm. uh, of a, a coaching methodology or something like that. Uh, generally, those are, you know, run by creators and those are the being fulfilled by the, that coach or 
greater. So generally the sales process is outsourced to commission only sales reps. So I kind of stumbled upon the world of pretty much taking that skill set of sales and being able to just sell independently for these different businesses. Yep. So I was doing that for a little bit. And as I was interviewing with these different companies, trying to find out, you know, oh, this is, you know, what I want to sell and what I'm passionate about. I found myself almost, you know, just my business mind kind of just running every single time I had the interviews and just started poking holes in their business, asking them why their funnel was set up in certain ways. And I found myself basically pitching them on a sales agency that didn't exist. And they were saying that <laughs> nice. they would pay yep. arm and leg for someone to come in and fix their funnel, yep. staffing, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wow, okay, give me a second. And I put my head down for about 60 days. And that mm -hmm. is, you know, how my sales agency, Salesy, was started. Yeah, but that makes sense because sales is just problem solving. It's helping people exactly. and you were going in to close deals for them to make their money. You're like, oh, wait a minute, why are we doing it this way? Why are you doing that? And they're like, oh crap, why am I? Like, well, can you fix it? And it just kind of developed. That's how I got into coaching. Like I've been a great salesperson for years. Like I was just selling, selling. I kept having people ask me questions. I'm like answering and answering. And my wife finally said to me, you know, it's easy for you. It's not easy for them. You need to charge people instead of just giving this away for free. And I'm like, she's right you know and it takes time because you're like thinking well it's just easy i just help for a moment but yeah that one little help helped them make thousands of dollars it's helped other companies make millions of dollars so i love that you got into it that way because a lot of times you know sales has a bad connotation you have the oh, yeah. no offense to grant cardones but like the pound 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 sell 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 hit 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 right away instead of the relationship first focus or helping people focus or you know a lot of people can't do the grant way. They can't. They're, they're, they're just not made that way. But a lot of people can if they can. And I want I want to pick your brain here on that. I use that word on purpose because a lot of people say they want to pick my brain. On helping people, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, people that are maybe heart centers, the creatives you're talking about, how do you help them learn to sell? Now, how do you help them with that? Because a lot of them still have the idea, but then they go to do it and they're like, well, can you pay $5 for this? And you're like, dude, it's like a thousand dollar course. What are you doing? How do you help yeah. them with that? Yeah. So I think for, on a business sense, I think I've been able to shift more on the personal sense of teaching individuals and people that wanting to be sales professionals. I think that there's a lot of gurus out there teaching you how you can take the sales course and you know make a 10K in, in a certain amount of month or whatever like that. For me, I basically take these learnings that I apply to businesses and just I've created a Discord community as well as like a free sales book, ebook. So people can kind of go check that out and kind of dive into that for free on an individual basis. But when you're teaching a business or when you're trying to consult for a business, I think where I found success or the way that I've seen has worked is just coming at it with a systems approach, having a system that you kind of implement, you showcase metrics, whether it's like kind of like a lead generation system. Like for me, I source a lot of leads specifically for some of my clients that work in the digital marketing space through Instagram. And I yep. do a really easy, good way of just messaging on Instagram, converting them to an email or a book call. And sometimes instead of telling someone that's how you have to do it, you kind of have to just make the suggestion or kind of lead by example and just show the system. And then the metrics can speak for themselves. And that's generally the best way that I've been able to make an impact that kind of lasts in an organization when they're looking to solve a sales problem. Well, yeah, because it's the systems and processes. Once you have the actual pitch or program or solution in place, then it's just the numbers game and showing them how to do it. So how do you deal with their, because I know I run into this when I'm training people, so I'm assuming you do too, the reluctancy to reach out, whether that's a cold call, whether that's in the DMs, whether that's an email, how do you help them with that mindset shift? Yeah, I mean... The way I look at it is it's kind of maybe aggressive, but when I think about leads, I think that's food. At the end of the day, that's going to be stuff that's going to put money in your pocket that's going to feed you. And I think like there is, there, it's just almost, I almost like to frame it that if you have a pipeline, if you have leads coming through, or if you have a system that, you know, generally if you're working for an organization, they'll have scripts or they'll have some kind of system that is proven. There is probably going to be a superstar at, you know, at some organization or at some system that is working and you can follow that model. But I think at a certain point, the mindset shift is you have to set yourself up to make it unreasonable for yourself to fail. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is you pr almost set up so much system and structure that at the very worst case, you're going to get at least a positive you know, result. And I think like when people think about it that way, it's like, okay, maybe I don't have to just sit here and call 300 people. But if I go and make like 20 intentional dials every day, I look back at the week, I just made 100 intentional dials that might actually move the needle in a positive, in a positive way. Yeah, no, 100%. Because I think a lot of times people think they have to have one big day where they just do everything. And if they don't get what they want, they get disappointed. 
But as we know, sales touches, the average sales process is 12 to 32 touches, depending on what system you're using. So in whatever industry you're in, you have to learn what that is. And then you have to give yourself grace to learn. Like I cut my teeth in oil and gas for phone sales. I've cut wow. my teeth door to door for roofing windows and sign, but oil and gas, you're calling people that are not happy that you're calling oh them yeah. and you're pitching them on a product that doesn't really work normally because those partnerships that you're selling aren't there. So I, I always tell people, give yourself grace. Your product is going to help them. So if you can just flip it that way, you're good to go. I think it's just the reluctancy is people think it's about them. Uh, so uh -huh. so here's, a, here's a question. Because I, I know I teach this and I'm pretty sure you probably have the same flow. How do you help people understand that sales is never about them and only about their customer? Mm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's funny. I, that's that's a great question. I think like to bring it back to what you just said prior to that question, I think it's all about helping others. And I think like when when you frame it that way and you realize that I'm not actually really here to take people's money, because generally in most cases, if you're working for a company or you have a really good offer behind you, that's a grand slam offer. Uh, there's going to be some kind of like guarantee. There's going to be assurance on, on the side. So at the end of the day, like that kind of removes the risk. At the end of the day, you just want to fulfill and do right by the customer, do what you said you were going to do. So when you kind of like as a salesperson, change the frame of like, okay, like I'm not here to make a quick buck on someone, even though I can make a quick buck and that's great. But the thing is, is most people don't really realize like lifetime value of a customer where it's like, you don't want to just make a quick buck one time. You want to make a quick buck a lot of the time over time. And the way you do that is all relationships driven. And if the person likes you and it all starts by solving their problems and being there for them and showing up for them. So I think when you shift the frame, I guess, to it's all about helping others. And like, when I talk about business within my teams or people that I try to coach about, like when you're making an impact in an organization, it's not really about, okay, how do I like milk this, this guy for money, but like, okay, how do I add value to this organization? Because if they're going to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, $200,000, they'll gratefully kick you back, you know, five, 10, 15, 20,000. So it's all about yeah. helping at the end of the day. Yeah. When I think that's the thing in, in, in my, one of my goals is to change the idea on sales because you know, movies, TV, Every time you talk to someone, all oh, salespeople are always out to get you. No, most salespeople are trying to help you. There are some bad apples, but there's bad apples everywhere. You know, it's all about getting them to shift the mindset. And then if you get that set up, here's the crazy thing. You can write your own check. Like you can make 25K in seven minutes. I, oh, I remember one time I did a deal. I'd made 25K in seven minutes because it was set up right. Called the guy. He was ready to go but it's all about helping them. What other industry can you even do this in? There's no other industry that you can just go and write your own stuff. No, no, it's awesome. That's why I have the freedom, flexibility, and, and just like, yeah, I think when you change, I think at the end of the day too, like um, it's when people, I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about sales, but I think the big component of why I'm passionate about it is it's not really about the money or the freedom like that. It's actually literally just knowing that when I go to bed, like, oh, I helped all these people or like I added value, especially too, if you're selling, which I hope everyone, if you know, you're selling something, like it's a good product that you believe in and that you stand by and offering that, you know, you wholeheartedly believe in, which I think that's like the number one thing, because then you don't really feel like you're doing work. You just feel like you're, you know, just doing good by other people and you're, you're trying to spread the word. But I think just innately knowing that you, you know, solve someone's problem and that should make you feel good. And I think at the end of the day, that it's that stuff that that should keep you going, not like you know, the yeah. the monetary aspect. Yeah, well, it. the monetary is nice. I'm not against it. Like oh. I just got back from oh, Palm yeah. Beach. I want to sell something. I'm cool. There we with go. It. Yeah, but it's all of about course. the helping people first. So, so here's my my next thought with this because I look at sales as entrepreneur light, meaning that if you're oh, working yeah. for a company to start out with, you don't have the overhead, you don't have the other stuff, but you still have to kill to eat. You still have to make the sales. Yep. You still have to build the business. Um. What would you say to someone, because a lot of people that listen to this are first-time sales professionals or entrepreneurs, what would you say to them when they're going into a new sales role? How should they approach it? Yeah, I think biggest biggest thing is learn learn from the best. Like always surround yourself with the people that are doing the best practices. Because like I was saying earlier, like there's always going to be a right methodology that is proven to work. Given you know if you're if you're representing a good product or offering, there's going to be something that works. So I think when you're coming into a new role, staying late, being there to you know shadow the people that are doing well, learning from their systems and processes, and literally just putting up the reps. Like it's just it's simply just showing up. And I think like. 
Um, a lot of the times people think that, okay, I'm going to do this crazy thing that I read on LinkedIn, then I'm going to try something else the next day. And then after four days, I'm just going to give up because, but it's, it's, it's not that it's about consistently showing up, making dials, 50 dials a day for three weeks, and then looking back and then optimizing on that process. So I think it's, I think one is just being able to like learn being coachable. Cause that kind of showcases intelligence. Cause any, anyone can be figure it out. And that that's what true intelligence is and anyone can figure it out. And once you figure it out, you can't get discouraged because sales is one of those things where, you know, it's going to beat you down. But if you show up and you keep trying and you, and you, and you, and you just make it unreasonable for yourself to fail, I think those are the, those are the best mindsets and, and tools to kind of like set yourself up for like a, you know, intro to like a sales role or like a new sales opportunity. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Are there any books or any, who, who did you lean on when you were learning? Cause I know like when I first started out, I did listen to Grant Cardone. I listened to Jordan Belfort. I listened to Ed Milet. There's other people that I just started like getting in my world and I've been in sales 18 years. So it's like changed wow. and grown since then. But who did you first start like cut your teeth on or? Yeah. So I read this book. I have it written right here. It's the, how to, you can't teach a kid to ride a seminar. Uh, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar by David Sandler. It's the Sandler selling method. That one really blew my perspective on how to control a conversation and be able to just talk to people. And it really kind of just made it not even like, it really reframed the whole programming of what sales meant to me. Cause I thought sales was like, you, you don't talk about money and it's so awkward and like whatever, but like this book just kind of broke it down for me. And mm -hmm. as of recently, I've been uh, consuming a lot of Alex Hormozzi's content, obviously yeah, yeah. reading his book right now, hundred million dollar offers. It's fantastic. I'm modeling one of my business lines after um, some of the case studies he outlines in the book. So I think like there's a lot of resource right now that's out there. That's really good, but out to comes to mind Hormozzi and David Sandler. And there's also another book, Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross. That was another book that um, they were the founders of Salesforce and they basically mm -hmm. created the first like SDR teams, like the pod systems. Oh, nice. Uh, the, so that that was a crazy one in terms of like how to build like, you know, a business from a hundred, couple hundred thousand a month in ARR to um, a few million. And that was the, the story of Salesforce. And I believe Salesforce, their way of, you know, potting people up with SDRs and AE um, compatibility is pretty much like the the bread and butter for most sales organizations nowadays. Uh, you know, so it's pretty cool to see how that's scaled in usage. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely making that shift. Like even in my corporate job, because I have the corporate job as well, we have a BDR team, we have an inside sales team, we have an outside sales team, we have different ways that you can touch and help customers. Have you read the book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg? No, I haven't actually. That is a book about this big. Okay. And I think you would love it. It's just talking wow. about how... Um, just because of your philosophy and how we've been talking and yeah, I just recommend that book for you to check out. Uh, I love Hermosi. Hermosi great. I've not read the other books that you mentioned, but I'm going to put them on my list. I'm always yeah. trying to learn different ways to level up and help people. You know, I, at the end of the day, once you start making over 150, 200,000 a year, what's next? That's what got yeah, me exactly. into helping people. Like, cause I went to Hawaii three times. Heck I'm going to Hawaii again in September. I've been Hell to yeah. Disney. We've done a bunch of really cool stuff, but after a while, it's like, I don't care about cars. So that's not a big deal. I can only go on so many trips. What am I going to do? So with you starting so young, what are your, what are your big goals? What is it that you want to accomplish for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm a big traveler. So I think, I think this whole hand in hand idea of running a, a digital business uh, kind of gives you the leverage to be able to be anywhere in the world. So I'm a big world traveler. I spent a lot of time in, you know, different countries all over the United States. Used to live in England for like half a year, um, uh, part of my life. So I've, I've, I think that like, for me, I'm just trying to keep expanding the globe and just keep being able to explore new places. A big thing that I have uh, written on my whiteboard here is just go to new places that I haven't been to. And I think that my job and the career path that I've created for myself kind of um, allows me to like do that. But again, too, I think beyond that, I've always wanted, I've always knew I've wanted to be like an entrepreneur, start a business kind of type thing. So a big other goal for me is just be able to create something. And I think, um, you know, you never, for entrepreneurs, the thing you start is never going to be the thing you end up with. So I know 100%, that this, this place that I started now, I mean, Hell, like, you know, when I was 15, 14, I was, you know, I started a streetwear company in my garage printing t-shirts. And then now mm -hmm. I'm running a digital sales agency. And I don't think, I mean, ideally, I hope, you know, salesy becomes something that, you know, provides value to a bunch of organizations, you know, whether it's educational or consultative, whatever, but I know it's probably not going to be my last thing. So for me, it's just being able to create things for me. I think what's, you know, 
most people like video games, most people like sports. For me, I think building things, building companies, building concepts is really exciting for me. So being able to just do that. And as I've, you know, kind of put my, you know, voice out there, create content, I hope to collaborate, meet people like yourself to kind of just keep carrying on that mission of being able to just build and create things. So those are kind of like my my top goals, at least right now in, in, in Foresight. Yeah. Well, and you always grow and change and life has different ways of maneuvering things. So is it something like in the future where you want to like maybe speak on stages and bring it to that type of level? Is that what you're thinking or not you really? know, I mean, thought... everyone has different ideas? So I've, I've thought about that. I mean, right now, I think uh, for me, I think I'm actually thinking more in like the, the teacher capacity. Like I'm thinking about potentially going and try to teach at university. I live in Austin here and we're pretty mm-hmm. plugged in. Uh, a lot of friends plugged in with like the University of Texas at Austin campus. So I'd, I'd be thinking about maybe getting involved with the entrepreneurship program there, maybe what it would look like to potentially teach some classes there. Like that's kind of like the route that I'm going to, but definitely wouldn't be opposed to, yeah, speaking in, in mm-hmm. larger, you know, capacities and kind of getting the message of just, you know, freedom, entrepreneurial thinking and sales across, you know? Yeah. No, I love that though, because you're giving back. You're already thinking of giving back. Going to a college and teaching would be a give back. Like, I mean, I know yeah. they pay you, but that's still like a give back. Cause yeah, yeah. I've been in college still before and they need, they need entrepreneur help. They definitely do. <laughs> so I know you mentioned Hermosi and all. Do you have a daily routine or are you a fly by the seat of your pants kind of like he is? Cause I know that <laughs> you have the, you got to do it this way and you have the guy do it that way. So I, I just kind of want to know where you're at with that. Yeah, no, I think I, I was it was really shocking because I, you know, you see these different influencers talking about like what they do, have these crazy routines. And like I was very surprised to see Hormozy has his where it's just an open block of time, which I really love. And that's really cool. Uh for me, I have a little structure to my routine. Like I'm trying to be up before 7 a.m. at least just to be up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to work out twice a day. So one time in the morning, at least like go for a walk, at least clear the mind or go lift some weights, try to do that before I start the work day. And then um I'm usually on the computer checking emails before 9 a.m have to have my cup of coffee. So that those are like kind of like non-negotiables that I set for myself. But generally when I start flowing, um, I just do time blocks. So I usually just do like the Pomodoro method where it's like 90, 90 minutes on. Yeah. And then I take like, you know, some time off, go back into a flow state. And then after about midday, I switch tasks. So I'll work on my business for a little bit. I'll work on like some content creation stuff. I'll go eat, I'll go work out, whatever. And then, you know, I just keep going until the end of the day. But and then the hard rules try to be in bed before midnight. So that's really it. I'm pretty lax on, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really do anything crazy. Like take cold showers. I like to sauna daily. That's something that I like to yep. do. That's something yep. that I'm a big proponent of. I get red light therapy done. Like those things are like some things, but I'm not on some freak that I wake up at 5am and jump in an ice bath or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. Well, and I think it's figuring out what works for you. So I get exactly. up at 4.30, but yeah. only, only here, there's a caveat. The only reason I get up at 4.30 is I go to the gym at 5.15. I do kickboxing. And I can't go to the 630 class and be to my day job on time. So I have to. It's one of those, I want to do the kickboxing. So I'm getting I love up. it. When I wasn't doing the kickboxing, I would work out in the afternoon and I'd get up at six. So it's not the, like I a hard that. stop. I've tried the cold bath stuff before. Like when I was in Montana, I jumped in the 39 degree lake because it was an experience thing. But I don't do cold showers and cold baths all the time. I think it's just as an entrepreneur, you get to pick what works for you. What is going to yeah. get you in the zone? But I want to pick your brain on the time blocking because I teach time blocking and I get a lot of resistance for it because especially the careers, well, I want to flow. I want to do this. I want to do that. But if you're in a sales role and you're in a thing, there's certain, for me at least, I have certain times I'm going to make calls to my clients. I have certain times I'm going to do emails, stuff like that. When you're training people, do you teach them that like same type of time blocking method or how do you teach them with that? Oh yeah. I think one of the things in my, in my free ebook that I talk about is organization and time blocking. And that's like one of the things I tell um, a lot of the people that I, that I like coach or or mentor or have on my team, it's all about setting your priorities straight. And I make sure that they know, like I'm a big Calendly user. So making Mm -hmm. sure like, you know, taking meetings on Calendly, but I always tell people to program their calendar, their work calendar with their personal stuff. So whether that's like a 30 minute block to like make lunch or whatever, I know that might sound a little bit like crazy, but that way you kind of are a little bit more in control because you know where you're going to be at and you can kind of like know. And I think it was very interesting. I saw uh, a thing about how Jerry Seinfeld, the way that he would uh, do time blocking would be that he would block like two hours at a time. And he said, I'm going to only write for two hours. And even if he had nothing to write, he just only was dedicated to writing. Like there was nothing else, even if he just sat there. And I love that because it kind of just, even if there's nothing, it kind of forces you to sit there and like, in peace and just be like, okay, like I'm good. And then you can kind of prepare yourself for the next thing. So I I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. I tell everyone that I, I work with and interact with to just do it just for the sake of um, ease for themselves, really. 
it's all about being comfortable. Yeah. No, but I liked what you said there because you need to take lunch because I've I've been in the grind hustle where you go from seven to seven or nine to nine. You get all the craziness and you get some stuff. But as I've gotten older, learned more, studied more, done better, I've learned actually that if I take time for myself, the better I show up. Like I'll even go and do like a 10 minute stillness practice where I just go sit on a park bench and I'm just there. What do you do to re- refresh yourself? Because as being a sales professional, we're always in that high environment. How do you get recharged? I Just like what you do and I see on your Instagram stories, the walks, man. The walks yeah. are so key. I go on at least four or five walks a day. Sometimes, you know, take the shirt off, get some sun. You know, sunlight's a big thing that I like to do. So getting sunlight, going on walks, just changing the environment. If I saw this interesting thing on Twitter where it was basically showing a brain scan of someone that was sit at a da- set, set at a desk, for like two hours and then someone that went for a walk after 10 minutes of that and it's just crazy to show how the brain waves just um are activated after you just change the environment and you kind of just give your, your yourself more stimulus so um just simple walks it's, it's really nothing too crazy but i i think it goes a long long way and most people kind of uh over overlook those little things they can do for themselves just to kind of like give them those boosts throughout the day yeah no i'm with you like even during my with my day job with whatever i'm doing probably about every hour and a half to two hours I'm at least doing a 15 minute walk. And then when I get home at night, I'm doing a half hour walk just because for me, it, I have ADHD. So if I'm at the house and I'm doing stuff or I'm getting distracted, yep. but when I'm out there walking, it's just peace. Amazing. Right. Love it. Yeah. So love that. I have another question for you. Cause this just intrigues me. If you could speak on stage with anyone, and I've never asked this one before, I just thought about it with you. If you could be on a stage and speak with anyone at any event, who would you speak and what event would it be? You don't have to name the event. It could just be, hey, I want to speak with, I'm going to say Ed Milet just to throw out an easy name, but whoever you would think of. I have been, so I haven't, wasn't following him big time in the early days, but I would say Gary V. Honestly, I, 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 his content has kind of been growing on me lately. Not because of really just like the the core of what he his core of what he's saying is just create content. But I think right now the way that he connects with the younger generation about how mm-hmm. easy it is and how much like they have. Um, like all the tools at their disposal to take action. I think it's that take action component that I feel like would be a cool like synergy between me and him because I would take it with the whole take action and you know control your financial destiny and and freedom with like sales. But I think what he talks about is like anyone can start just doing something because chances are you're good at something and you can literally just pick up your phone, which you already have and just start doing something that's of value to others, to help others, to educate others, whatever. And I think that message of his really like resonates with me. So I would say him. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, same thought process with that taking action because really a lot of people are dreamers. A lot of people talk about it, but I, I can't remember. I'm trying to think of the guy's name, but he said that the graveyard is full of regrets and doubts. Pretty much it has more ideas, theories, stuff of people that thought about it but never took action. So even if you're not great at it, because you're going to suck when you start. I tell those people this all day long. Your first little bit, you're going to suck. If you go listen to the first 10 episodes of this podcast, it was bad. I have no problem saying it was bad. But I had to get through the 10 so I could get to 130 and keep moving. And it's just learning and growing. And I think if we could get people to understand that most of the time people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So just share your message and it will resonate just like Gary's resonated. And just like we've connected. Cause when I was talking, we, you know, we resonated for a moment. I think that's the biggest thing, just getting outside your comfort zone and then also just acting and doing. And I think Gary gets away with it because he just, he's Gary. He's going to say it. He's but very he's not, animated. Yeah. Yes, but he's not saying it like a dick. He's not like, you should, yes. you should do this, Sonny. He's no. like, look, I'm doing nine to nine. Yeah. You really can't yeah. get on your phone and do something yeah. seriously. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I think it's all in how you deliver the message. Yeah. I, he said something very profound. And I think that's something that's been carrying um, in my head now, as I've kind of built out more education and I've, and I've been very, a little bit more active on TikTok. I had a, had a video last week kind of blow up, get over like 2 million views. And that kind of opened the gates for like a lot of um, you know, just like things for just content creation and just like people wanting a certain kind of um, information and, and all that kind of stuff. But he said, and this is back in 2017, he did, he did a podcast with Joe Rogan. And he said, if you feel good or optimistic about something, you have a massive responsibility about how you communicate that to others. 
And I was like, damn, that's, he's saying this in 2017. And this is like at the beginning of like Snapchats, like filters, and you can like start creating short form content. This is like, this is like literally when people started doing e-commerce on Instagram. This is before stories were like the fad and short form and all that stuff came. So he was saying that then, and I was re-listening to this podcast. I've re-listened to this podcast like at least 10 times, just because I feel like there's so much value that's just underrated and just swept under the rug in there. But I was like, wow. I feel really good about the place that we're at in 2023 for this landscape of people to be able to really take action, really have freedom, really be able to utilize resources around them to to be where they want to be. And I have to be smart to be able to deliver that message to others. And I feel like that has been like the big shift in like, you know, in delivery. And I feel like that has, you know, bled into like why I'm I'm motivated to do like more like content created creation kind of stuff, because at the end of the day, it's helping people. At the end of the day, it's just adding value. And some, all you need is just that one person to hear it, to be like, oh, I get it now. I need to take action. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know which one's going to do it. But first and foremost, dude, 2 million congrats. That's crazy. A lot of yeah. people don't get that type of video. So, so you intrigued me with that. If that was it, like a funny video, was it a sale? What type of video got you the two million? Because I know people are like going, "How did he get two million? Yeah. So I, so funny. One, one of my clients that I work with is actually a premier TikTok uh, agency. So mm-hmm. we've been helping them scale uh, a lot of their, you know, brand partnerships, helping creators, you know, scale their accounts. This is all organically. Nothing, nothing paid advertising because. Um, TikTok right now is one of the only platforms right now with over a billion people where as much as a lot of like FUD around it where people are like, oh, you know, it's going to get, you know, banned and stuff like that. It truthfully is one of the only places. It's like Instagram before Instagram was Instagram in the sense that you could literally post something and you can just get so many eyeballs. And I think right now Hormozy says it's the best that the greatest form of, um, you know, asset right now is attention Mm -hmm. and TikTok is where you can cultivate that um, attention with through views. And for me, I've been dabbling a little bit with TikTok. I think content creation was something that everyone always had said, like start getting into, but TikTok specifically was what kind of got me into it in the short form. And I think I've trialed a little bit, didn't have much success, but then I realized as, you know, AI tools were coming around and as there was like more value out there, there's a lot of people that are not in the know. So I said, okay, well, TikTok from my view, because I was scrolling on TikTok and I was like, I'm a consumer and I'm definitely just consuming this stuff. And I came to the conclusion that TikTok works because either I'm getting educated on something and I like it and I interact or I'm laughing and this is hilarious and I interact and there's nothing really in between. If it's not one of those two things, I don't want to see it. So then I thought, okay, tying it back to the Gary Vee message, if I'm feeling good about something and I feel like I can deliver a good message in a very intentional way... How, how can I do that? So then I was like, okay, that's education. And that kind of ties into like what my business stands for, at least for one arm of it, where it's like, let's educate people on how to do this for absolutely free, because we just want people to be in control of freedom and all that. So I created a video uh, talking about an AI tool that I came across. It wasn't even anything special. I'm not really too plugged in with the AI tool. I just It's an AI tool that you can type in a prompt and it can create either a presentation, web page, or mm-hmm. yep. a um, you know little like document for you. It's called gamma.app. It's super useful if you want to just build a little quick little template. But the beauty of it is after it builds for you, all the assets are manipulated, manipulative. So you can literally just change it around and make it look cool, slap your logo on it. And you can even like link other links to it. So you can basically oh, nice. make like an inter- interactive brochure within mm-hmm. a span of like five minutes. So I just made a video and I put it out there. And I guess the way that it was like, you know, filmed, whatever, um, it just started getting traction. And overnight I had like 100K views. And then like a few days later, crossed 2 million. And from there, I was talking to my, you know, TikTok consulting agency. I was like, that, why, why did that happen? And they were like, yeah. well, it was, you know, a multitude of things. The time that you posted, the hashtags that you use, apparently I use a hashtag with AI and just that's what the algo wants right now. There's a lot of push right now for AI tools mm-hmm. being forefront. So all the boxes lined up for me to be able to deliver that message. And it was like, wow, I understood that. So then that kind of just opened up the whole gates of like, okay, well, if I can continue to give messages just like that in that same format, maybe not, it's not going to get 2 million, but at least other people will find value because I was very Mm -hmm. surprised with the amount of people that were engaging with like, wow, this, this, this helped me, this did this for me again, bringing it back to the point of I help people and that made me feel good. So I was like, cool. It was never about like the plays. It was like, okay, how can I now 
literally just channel this and help more people. So um, yeah, I think that that's kind of like how it happened. And then now it kind of just gave me the springboard for creating more stuff like that, just to help more people and tying it back to like the sales community that I have built and yeah, just helping people kind of, you know, attain that um, level of freedom. Yeah, no, I love that. And is that more of, so I'm big on YouTube. I'm big on Instagram. I'm big on Facebook, like in LinkedIn. Those are the ones, I mean, I say a big, that's where I post the most. I do have a TikTok, but that was more my funny. Like I really, I'm a consumer on TikTok. I've started posting more stuff lately, but I really, I am. I'm a consumer on TikTok. How do you monetize TikTok? Right? Is it like Instagram, same thing where you do a post, people reach out, you talk to them in the DM. Is that like the strategy you use or what type of strategy do you use for TikTok? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of ways to like monetize on TikTok. So right now there's actually something really cool that TikTok's coming out that I'm kind of dabbling with on the side. Not too versed in it right now, but it's TikTok Shop, which is really cool because they're basically allowing you to take other e-commerce platforms and integrate it with TikTok. So you can literally oh, wow. make a pur purchase from the click of your feed. So mm -hmm. it's almost instant seamless. And um, it's very like useful in terms of if you're selling like a Mother's Day gift or a Father's Day gift or something like that. It's just like, oh, you see that? You take action and they're bringing that out right now. So I, that's one way that you can. And I've been dabbling with, uh, you know, trying to set that up to see if I can kind of sell some kind of like supplement stacks that are geared toward more like entrepreneurs that need like the energy and like, you mm -hmm. know, like kind of like mind, mind strengthening stuff like blinds, main cordyceps, stuff like that. So I was like yep. kind of researching stuff like that to get into that kind of line, but you can monetize doing that by just inserting product. Another way that you could do it is just through brand deals where, um, right now, which is the biggest form of, you know, marketing that's being done is a lot of these businesses are not actually paying, they're not going to pay George Clooney quarter million to do a commercial for one, one take, they're going to pay right. a bunch of TikTok creators 10k to create 15 videos for them because they have a high following on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to advertise their brands like Snickers and dryers and ice cream brands and all these different things are going to do that because it's way more bang for their buck in terms of reach. So yeah, that's another way where you can monetize. So if you have a really trending page, I've seen cases where people literally just at Chobani yogurt and they'll get a fridge full of Chobani yogurt sent to them and they mm -hmm. just create videos with the, with that. And that's a way they can monetize and they get a check attached to it. But yeah, TikTok's becoming a more and more increasing way where people, where I think it's people can just plug in their already existing, you know, income streams, businesses, um, you know, products and services and just make it known to more people. Because going back to my point about attention, it's biggest, biggest asset. So if you have 2 million views, on a video, yeah. think about yeah. if if you're if you're a real estate agent, this is why this is the biggest sell for our client that does the TikTok consulting, where it's like we talk to real estate agents. It's like, okay, you're listing a property or you're you know monet you're marketing your services of your business. You get one video that has two million, and you're telling me that in like ninety days or one hundred twenty days, all that exposure and views, it's not going to trickle into like one person. And like, if they close one deal in one hundred twenty days, that's like. 300k or 200k i mean that justifies the spend on the oh, services yeah. and yep. much more so i think like people when they translate like oh like paid ads facebook ads is kind of archaic views real-time attention is like actually what's converting at a higher rate like that's when people are going to start looking at these you know mediums like youtube shorts and tiktok a little bit differently but yeah monetization on tiktok's huge yeah so here's another question because you're in the digital marketing space probably more than i am um do you feel like YouTube and TikTok are going to be the ones that kind of where everything, because everything's going video. It is like I've been doing, I've been in this for, well, I've been on Facebook for 10 years. I really like doing content and stuff. And I still like my core followers love my long form on Facebook, but my little short memes and videos get a lot more reach because that's what the algorithm's going. Do you think it's going to be Facebook and Instagram are going to have to shift to more of just video focused or you think it will swing back? What what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think short form content is just like a big wave right now. I think people's attention spans are just short. I mean, with this yeah. modern generation, I think we're all very fidgety and we like just dopamine and we have mm -hmm. a big problem with that. That's a whole separate conversation. But I think um short form is here to stay. And I think a lot of brands are gonna start tapping into that and kind of utilizing that. So you're gonna see stuff like YouTube shorts and TikTok be here um to stay for the future. But I think um, for right now, TikTok and YouTube seem like they're going to be the forefront leading things. I think Instagram right now, I mean, I know they have the Reels functionality, unless there is some kind of, you know, legislation against like TikTok. I don't really see Instagram being the leader in the short form. I think TikTok yeah. 
um, and YouTube are just kind of like leading the way just because YouTube already just has such a huge market share from before. Mm -hmm. um, it's been around since like 2004, 2005, even before then, I think. So it's it just has a lot of users. But I think the other thing to watch out for as well is are these independent streaming platforms that have the ability to create short form content like Rumble, I believe. Um, those are just a little bit more decentralized because I yeah. believe like people like that just so they can have more freedom of speech, whatever whatever that is. But I think uh, TikTok's here to stay. I mean, I'm, I'm a big mm -hmm. believer in it. I think like that's something that people are almost like, it has a bad connotation, I feel like, because people are like, oh, it's going to get banned and China's saying this and whatever. But I honestly think that's, it's very, it's like a tool that most business people, most individuals have at their back pocket that's totally free. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing that's funny, because you mentioned it, because when I think about TikTok, I actually think I get more truth on TikTok than I do in other platforms, because Facebook bans stuff sometimes. Instagram will put stuff down. I've seen multiple sides of different issues on TikTok, and it's not banned, whether people like it or not, like just from an outside observing. Um, and as a business owner, you should use every tool you can. Now, I would tell people in one of your beginning, pick one or two, because you can't just go and do LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, because you're not going to. Get good at one or two, but find one that you're good at. Start doing that. Once you get that down, then move to the next one. Yeah, 100%. I think it's cool because when you have YouTube shorts and you have uh, TikTok, it's the same kind of format. So when you make one, you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You can also upload it to Reels too. So it's getting more seamless by just being able to cross-platform integrate uh, your, your content and just see what performs better. And then you can kind of just double down from there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because we talked about AI and I know I'm bouncing here a little bit, but like I sent, a, I have a buddy on Facebook and he's like, tell me you're a salesman without being a salesman. So I put all my present circle words, like I just did a little video to be funny. The next thing I know, and it was in a comment on Facebook. Next thing I know, Facebook sends me a notification. This would be a good reel. Will you please post it? They didn't put it, but like they would, this would be a good one. So I popped the reel because I knew if they sent it to me, they're saying we're going to put this yeah, in front please. of more eyes. Yep. And so I'm just thinking, be creative in ways to get it out more. And then uh, you've seen my stuff. I don't really care. Like I just produce. Yeah. It's how awesome. important is, and I know I can produce better content, so don't take that wrong, but how important is the production versus the message from your point of view? I think it's just about consistency and just getting it out there. And I think it was, I believe it was Hormozy that got me into the mindset. And I was actually listening to another podcast of yours, I believe um, a couple of ones ago, I forget who, who the guest was, but you guys are talking about it as well. But I think it's really cool because, and you were even saying on this podcast, when you start out doing a podcast, you know, you do like 10, 15, and it's like, oh, this is bad or whatever. But for me, I think what's really cool is when you get to that 100, the 400, the 300, whatever that is, at the end of the day, production value or not, as long as you can hear what you're saying and you're articulating, and obviously as long as it's just like, like, just like, you know, acceptable, I think the cooler aspect of it is that it's just a library of just content that's just there. And if people want to consume it, it's there. And I think it might take 450 episodes for you to hit. But once you hit, now you just have this repository of mm -hmm. just free value for people that they can just go back and watch. Because there's so many people that I have like resonated with like Naval or or um, Alex Hormozzi or even Joe Rogan on some episodes where I'll listen to something, you know, in the future and I'll be like, wow, I really like that point. And it yep. made me want to go back and then consume all their content. And I'm like, wow, this was like December of 2017. Like he probably knew he sucked back then or he wasn't, this podcast mm -hmm. wouldn't be at 50K listeners or whatever. But for me, this is a huge nugget of value. And like, I just feel so grateful in that moment to have like brought, brought it full circle. So that's what I, what I think is like, as long as you're pumping content out, um, like for, for me, like, I think I even saw it in real time. Like I had some content out there on TikTok from like maybe a month or two months ago talking about, you know, high leverage skills and just like, sh you know, shoot, shooting, um, you know, the shit about like how to make high income leverage and stuff like that. But yep. then I think what was crazy is when that million, 2 million view video came, people were then able like, Oh, this guy's actually, yep, yep. they go back. And then I would get in people commenting on those videos. And I was like, Oh, so this is just a lifetime example of like, it doesn't matter as long as you're just getting out there, you're consistent. That's mm -hmm. just showing up. That's, that's all, that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, it's a long game. What a lot of people don't know about a podcast is it's a super long game. Oh, yeah. Real shorts, all that are there. And it's funny. I was looking at the numbers before. I, I did a podcast before this. I did a recording before this. But I was looking at my numbers before, and I'm like, oh, I had 70 downloads on this day. I went and looked, and it wasn't for that one episode. I had like five for that episode. But then like I had a guy, like a two for episode two, two for episode 15, and just different people. I'm like, 
holy crap, people are going back and listening to this because when you're in the moment and you're doing stuff, and I, it, I just because like you know when you get doing stuff, like are people really listening? Are you really making an impact? Are you really doing it? Oh, I only got a hundred views on this reel, whatever. But then you go back and you keep looking, like then that hundred reels goes to two hundred and fifty, and then like you said, when you get that one big one that pops. Then they start going back and they start seeing, oh, wait a minute. This guy didn't just get lucky here. He's been saying this for a long time. Exactly. Now I can trust him. And now you build that like trustability part. And I think that's the thing that most people don't realize with business. And it's why most businesses fail is that you have to be in it for the long game. You know, 90% yeah. of 90% of the people in the networking room you go in won't be there in two to five years statistically. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, it, it's yeah, wild. No, yeah, and tying it back to what we were talking about, uh, the framing on sales and why most people in sales are not successful, it's because they don't think about the long game. They think about how can I just make the quick buck? They don't want to think long game. How can I build the relationship and just think big picture? So um, I think a lot of people, especially in our generation, I can just attest to this because I, I'm surrounded by it a lot by you know 20-year-olds. They sacrifice the short term or they sacrifice the long term uh, because they want to be like cool in the short term and and do all this like crazy shit. But I think realistically, when you look big picture and always think of, you know, your 5, 10, 15, 20 year plan, um, you know, it makes you, you know, be a little bit more mindful about your decision making and set yourself up for the future. Yeah. And before I let you go, because I know we've been jamming for a while, this just made me think of this more. I work a day job right now while I'm building my dream. I've always heard a lot of people go, you got to burn the ships. You got to burn the ships. The historical aspect of that was Cortez burned the ships because if he went back to Havana, they were going to kill him. They literally told him that. It was the less risky of the two options. Do you encourage people to just jump into it all the way? Or do you actually think it's better for some people to start with working in their corporate jobs while they build their business on the side? How how do you think people should approach it? Because I know when you're young, people think that they have to just run all the way into it. Or if I'm not doing it, I'm not an entrepreneur. And I don't know. That's just... I want to That's a great question. That's a fantastic question because I I kind of saw both sides of the coin. So I'm glad you asked that. I before I started my business, I was completely like unemployed, I guess you could call it. I never actually was looking for work. So after I got let go of my corporate sales job, I was almost like kind of in shock because I was like, well, I've only known working in corporate sales. I didn't really know if I could start a business or what have you. And granted, you know, I, I invest on the side and I had like a you know big, big stack of cash that I was sitting on when I was, um, you know, out of work. So I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to travel for a little bit. I'm just going to hang out. And because of the way that I set myself up, I think I, I made a TikTok video about this, actually, funny enough, there's a formula. And if you have enough money where... Um, you know, your burn rate is not exceeding the amount of cash that you have and you want to go all in on your business, you definitely can. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely something that young people, you know, like people that are like sub 30, like we have so much time, we're so young, like, yeah. you know, there is, there's not much, there's not much risk really like to, 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 to take, like, you know, you, you could just do it, right. You can do whatever you want. Um, so I highly recommend going balls to the wall if that's like your prerogative and you have the money, but I found myself going back to the corporate world while I was building because I had to pivot my business multiple times before I got it to the way where it was going to mm -hmm. start being successful in scale. So I think, you know, if you're good at something like sales or business development or whatever, there's no shame in getting a job that you're going to just absolutely kill it at, show up, deliver, be there for people in an organizational setting, but then have enough freedom to then be able to build your thing. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes people, um, you know, when they, when they're entrepreneurs, they know that there's going to be a lot of building involved. And as long as they can like compartmentalize what they need to build and they, you know, set time aside for it and you just show up and you consistently do it. They could definitely, you could definitely manage a job and, and, and build something. It's like, it's not yeah. rocket science, but in terms of going all in, I feel like the, that, that real moment really happens. As Hormozy says it the best is when that side thing starts making more than the main thing. Yep. And I think yep. like most people will, um, you know, go and do the side thing and go all in and they won't make any money and then they'll kind of be screwed. But then I think like there's the flip side of the coin where if you put your ego aside and you get yourself set up, you go and do the main thing and you build yourself up in, in, a, in, a, in a freedom way where you can kind of work on both. You can then eventually make both, which you have security, health benefits at your, you know, your, your day thing. And then you can also have the flexibility because I think what's also something that's underlooked is in this country, having a small business is, you know, great. And they make it so awesome where you can have a small business and you can work mm -hmm. a job and you can have the benefits of having health insurance with your, your main thing. So there's a lot of benefits to having a job. So I think 
that if you're in the position where you can have a job, I know not everyone in this, you know, macroeconomic situation is, you know, fortunate to have one and they're, you know, kind of itching to start that thing. I think that if you're young, start it, but there's no shame in having a job while you start. I think that's the the easiest, safest way to um, make sure that you can get that right footing. And then, you know, you can take it from there. I think it's, it's a fantastic way to start a business. Yeah, no, I love that because it's life by design. You know, like I have a friend, Tony Wally. He took two businesses to a million dollars, sold both of them, and then finally left his corporate job, which he was making good money at because he just kept proving concept, proving concept. And I think there's no right way. I think that's the biggest thing is that you get into your little entrepreneurial circle and you have that. You have to do it this way or I'm the Homorciite or I'm the Gary Veeite or I'm this or that. Build your life how you want. Because guess what? 100%. If you're doing the trips, if you're making the money, if you're doing the things that make you happy, that's really all that matters. You yeah. won already. Yeah. So it's all about setting yourself up. I think it's not about, yeah, it's like, it's, it's about doing what makes you happy for, I think, I think, I think Gary V said this too, in that podcast with Joe Rogan, he said, there's a hundred million ways to do this thing that we call life. Literally there's a hundred million ways. Just pick one way that you want to play it you know, screw everyone else and just, just do it. Like there's nothing stopping you. Don't make an excuse and just pick what you want and just go after it. And I think like, that's, that's the bottom line, really. Like it doesn't have to be picture perfect that, you know, you wake up and you're Jeff Bezos, CEO of your own company. It could literally be that you're running your business on the side and you have a great, you know, desk job that you love. And then, you know, you still hang out with your family every night and have dinner and and you're happy and you go on vacations every summer. Like it doesn't have to be um, any, anything crazy, you know, whatever yeah. you like to do. Yeah, it has to be what you like to do. So where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at not Sam and Mommy. Uh, and then as well as we have a Discord server, I have my link in my bio on my Instagram. Um, so you can definitely go shoot me a follow. I'm pretty active on there. Um, and, you know, I have all my socials and everything else linked on, on there. So that's probably the best way to find me on my Instagram. Yeah, and we'll drop it in the show notes so you guys can go and yeah. click. And if you can't find it there, DM me at the 150K podcast. I'll send it you there. That's easy to do. So awesome. before I let you go, man, what have we missed? Anything else, words of wisdom, insight, thoughts you want to touch on before we have? No, our- I just, no, I'm just very grateful for, for the chance to come here and speak, tell my story and just get to know each other a little bit better. And for anyone listening, you know, um, always happy to help. If, if there's anything, shoot me a message. And, you know, if there's something that you've you know been itching to try, I think now is the best time to just get after it and just, just, just take action. Like we were talking about common theme in this podcast, just take action and, and screw everyone else. You, you got this eyes on the prize. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you all for listening. I'm not going to try and up that because that was just gold. Until next time, have an awesome night and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to the 150K podcast. Remember your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.